Hey, cool cats and kittens. It's John from the Nebraska Complement Podcast with your late March podcast. Anyhow, I'm John Ream. I'm going to talk about employment law and workers' compensation. More employment law today. Uh, obviously, in the wake of the fallout from the coronavirus pandemic, both as a health, public health crisis, and also as an economic crisis. Today, I'm going to mostly focus on the economic angle of corona, of the coronavirus crisis. If you listen to the last episode, I, I talked kind of in depth about medical personnel, you know, the difficulties that they might face or really any employees might face in bringing workers' compensation claims because of how workers' compensation is designed. But anyway, before I get into the latest on Corona, I think I've been doing this now for six months, and that gives me the opportunity to go back and talk about a few past episodes. And back in the middle of November, I did an episode about the Comcast versus National Association of African American Broadcasters, which was argued in the Supreme Court back in November, which would have changed the uh, causation standard or established but-for causation, which is a heightened form of causation for civil rights cases brought under Statute 1981. You can listen to that episode to learn more about that. But <clears throat> Supreme Court came back on that a couple of weeks ago and said, yeah, in a 1981 case, if... if you know, the this causal standard on a 1981 case is but for causation in a Title VII case, which also covers racial discrimination. 1981 is a race and color, as uh, a statute that covers race and color discrimination. But in a Title VII case, it also covers race and national, race and color discrimination. Those cases are tried under a motivating factor standard, which is a little bit more permissive. So, Supreme Court is cracking down on 1981 cases. Again, the advantage of a 1981 case versus Title VII is here's a four-year statute of limitations and you don't have to file any charges with the civil rights agency. There's no exhaustion of administrative remedies. And we'll probably talk a little bit about exhaustion of remedies in another context in this episode. Also, transitioning to Corona back in December... I did a little, talked a little bit about regional discrimination within China, you know, kind of a compare and contrast with American law, uh, which doesn't allow for regional discrimination. Talked a little bit about the full faith and credit clause there, Article 4. And it's interesting, yeah, there's a lot of publicity in the United States, and I think we're starting to see some of these cases that, you know, that Asians are subject to discrimination in American workplaces, you know, they're being blamed for the uh, coronavirus, but even within China, uh, residents of Wuhan, which is in the Hebei province, again, I'm butchering that pronunciation, you know, there's concerns about discrimination against, you know, residents of Wuhan, China, a big city there, as well as from that province, Hebei, where the Wuhan, Wuhan city is. So go back and listen to that episode as well. <clears throat> But let's get down to talking about the coronavirus. And there is so much material here. I could 
talk for 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 hours and days about this really. So I'm just going to kind of break break this down into bit by bit and maybe I'll start broadcasting once a week during the coronavirus crisis, but today I'm going to talk about unemployment and the coronavirus layoffs. There is a really interesting piece in the New York Times op-ed section of all places. They actually let somebody intelligent write for them. A French economist who is at UC Berkeley, Emmanuel Saez. Again, I took French in high school. Should be Hopefully I didn't butcher his name too badly. But Emmanuel Saez, a economist at UC Berkeley, wrote that the economic crisis may be worse in the United States because in the United States, we fire employees. We don't preserve people's employment. So in other countries, England and Germany, people are being kept on as employees with businesses and they're being paid directly through the government. So whereas in the United States, people are being laid off and they're getting unemployment. Um, so if you go back to our first, my first episode of the show of the Employment at Will Red Pill, talked about the influence of Employment at Will, where it comes from. Essentially, Employment at Will is a judge-made doctrine that was invented by an early law school, early legal academic in the eight, in the nineteenth late 19th century after the Civil War. It says you can be fired at any time for any reason, and it's been adopted by case law in the United States, and it's pretty much a tenet of employment law of anywhere in the United States besides the state of Montana. So with that employment at win, employment at will is defended mightily by the Employment Defense Bar, which, you know, is acting all concerned about the coronavirus crisis. And they have reason to be, too. And, you know, just from a human perspective and from their client's perspective as well. But employment at will is is sacrosanct for a certain section of the legal community and academic community. But that employment at will is makes it easier for American employers to fire employees. There's less protections on the job. So, you know, when everything kind of hit the fan with coronavirus, there's been there's there's been mass layoffs. And and when hopefully this blows over, that those mass layoffs are going to make it harder for at least this economist, Emmanuel Saez from UC Berkeley, wrote in the New York Times that when the coronavirus subsides and people try to get back to work, you know, companies aren't going to have employees. Um, It's going to be harder to restart business in the United States because people have been laid off in, you know, and they're, they're, they haven't, it's not that they're not getting income through, through unemployment. Well, there's some concerns about that too, but they're not maintaining their employment. And again, that is the influence of employment at will in the United States. So something is, is going to come, it might come back and bite us this summer or fall or winter, whenever the coronavirus finally subsides. So, so what about unemployment? Um, there's, 
there's a carrot between the last time we I I broadcast the CARES Act was passed and the CARES Act includes enhanced unemployment benefits uh workers for 4 months if they're laid off due to the coronavirus crisis are going to get um full benefits which in Nebraska is close to $400 a week plus $600 so you may have employees getting up to $1000 a month for the next 4 months if they're laid off through the uh through coronavirus uh, due to the coronavirus so what's wrong with that well nothing if people get it but it's interesting that it's a what's wrong with it is one it's a federal bailout uh it's it's federal money coming in and employers aren't being charged for discharging people. So they may have the opportunity just to lay people off, get rid of trouble employees and say, hey, apply for, for unemployment. Sometimes that happens if you know, when it comes to, you know, if you want to get rid of somebody, just say, hey, go use the mass layoffs as an excuse and employers aren't going to be charged. So in unemployment, I've wrote about in, on my blog is it's really one of the more, um, important exceptions to employment at will, because if an employer, an employer can fire anybody for any reason, but if they don't have just cause to fire somebody in the United States, they can get charged increased unemployment taxes. And that's, that's not gonna that's not gonna happen here with the CARES Act. So, um, so there's that. Uh, I think the other problem with the mass unemployment right now. I mean, again, if people can get it, that's good, and I think that the people should get it. But the, the, there's going to be some huge administrative problems here too. Um, Unemployment claims are up about 15 times. I read a blog from Vic Berger of the Wisconsin Unemployment Blog. And if there's a even less glamorous name for lawyer media than Nebraska Employment Podcast, I think Wisconsin Unemployment Blog would be even less glamorous than, than what I do. But anyway, according to Vic Berger, uh, in what, at least in Wisconsin, and I think this would be consistent in any place else in any other state. Uh, call volumes and claims are up about 15 times for unemployment. And in many states, Nebraska being one of them, unemployment is not easy to get. And part of the reason it's not easy to get, we have a call-in system that's hard to use. There's an online system that's hard to use. You don't have that many employees. And you know, plus with corona, virus you may have employees working you know remotely uh things are going to slow down because of because of corona so there's going to be some real difficult there's going to be some administrative hassles in getting unemployment benefits to people even with the additional money coming in from the federal government so in another hassle that could be coming through the CARES Act is, again, you know, good news, bad news. The good news is, is that 
some independent contractors, including gig economy workers, are eligible for unemployment benefits. But on the um, flip side of that, those workers are going to have to try to exhaust remedies. Again, there's that concept of exhaust remedies. They need to apply in their states for unemployment before they can get federal unemployment. So, um, and it depends on what you, you know, the, the, the states that are, what the eligibility standards are for the states. Actually, in Nebraska, I believe that gig economy workers are covered for unemployment in Nebraska. And maybe I'm bearing lead here, but Nebraska, for the purposes of unemployment, in our statute at Nebraska Revised Statute, Chapter 48, 604, Section 5 has adopted the uh, vaunted ABC test that would probably cover gig economy workers, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, delivery drivers, although apparently delivery drivers are pretty busy right now. So, but those gig economy workers would be covered in Nebraska, but in a lot of other states, they wouldn't be. So essentially, you would be having people who would be filing feudal claims in order to get in state claims in order to get those federal benefits. So you're going to slow up uh, the claims process for other people. So that's one thing. And two, even if you're in a state where maybe you're covered, you know, is, is Uber or Uber and Lyft going to be covering paying unemployment taxes probably not so or maybe not so if the gig economy companies aren't paying unemployment then that means the states and according to Vina Duball who's a another Berkeley professor law professor pointed out on Twitter that you know if if the gig economy companies have not paid into unemployment then the states are going to have a incentive to deny those claims because they they don't have any money to pay those out. So, and again, gig economy workers are in order, even if they're eligible under state or federal law, they're still going to have to prove up their benefits, probably in the, their eligibility for benefits, probably in the form of, of, of taxes, of tax forms and W-2s. And I'm not sure if W-2s go quarterly or not. So, I mean, it can be very difficult for gig economy workers to get unemployment even under even under the CARES Act. So, um, so there's that. So, finally, um, we, a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of mass layoffs going on, plant shutdowns, you, you know, places, you know, p- people being cut. Now in the United States, there's no guarantee for severance. Although we have a, a we have a, a law called the Warren Act, which requires employers give 60 day notice of of a mass layoff, or they're stuck with paying two months of severance. Problem with the Warren Act is that there is a what's called an affirmative defense for employers 
that if its economic conditions deteriorate, that that's a defense for them to to that's a defense for them. However, um, that defense has been strengthened by Supreme by a lot of the federal appellate court decisions that you know came out during the um, last financial crisis. The you know, I guess the, the housing bubble bursting, and during that, the uh, standard for that affirmative defense is you know you would have to show that the 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 employer would have to sh- there'd have to be a proof they would have to show that that it was probable that that there was going to be a mass layoff and you know it raised the probability standard which makes it more difficult for employees to get um to get uh, to win a Kate win a Warren Act case and the thing about Warren is that if Warren was stronger there would be incentive for employee for employers to pay that 60 day severance and with that 60 day severance that would ease the burden on unemployment and shift the cost of unemployment off of the taxpayers back on <clears throat> to the company and there still may be needs for bailouts but you know normally in normal conditions severance payments can delay the receipt of unemployment benefits. So it would uh, it at least would take some of the pressure off of unemployment or, or neglected unemployment system to uh, compensate workers if the Warren Act was stronger and more severance was paid out. So anyway, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, probably next episode, I'm going to talk more about possible reforms that may be coming. Obviously, you know, there's people are being left without health insurance. There's prop there's problems in co- the COVID virus, the coronavirus is complicated workers' compensation. There's a lot of other things that I can talk about in regards to workers' comp and employment law, but I wanted to talk about unemployment today and employment at will. So anyway I'm going to cut it for now. I'll probably cut another short episode either later this week or sometime early next week or this weekend and get something out that everybody is listening. So thanks a lot for listening. Talk to you next time.